Hey, this is Vanessa. This is Carlos. And you're listening to Retro Ad Review. This is a podcast where we select a couple of random old TV commercials and review them. So if you like commercials, listen in. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Retro Ad Review. Hi, everybody. How is it going? I'm bored. The solution is to talk a lot and to, I don't know, play a game? So yes, this is my completely unsubtle and really, really bad, but still, you're going to have to live with it, way of introducing today's topic, which is... Board games. Yeah. So we're going to be looking at board games today, which should be a really familiar thing to everyone. Everyone's played board games. Everyone has some sort of board game sitting in their house. And I feel like there's been a recent explosion in board games like the types that exist in the last like 15 years or so because it often felt like it was basically just monopoly and clue maybe a few others <laughs> scattered around but then you got more sophisticated ones coming out like pandemic and Ca- settlers of Catan. so like i feel like the warcraft campaign or something yeah i think it is i don't know i i'm not a person that enjoys games like risk so i tend to steer clear of strategic games like where you have to like take over people Everyone's played board games. Yeah. Especially when you got rained out during PE or something. Yeah. So, or your family wants you to, or you want to play games with the family and everyone can enjoy it. So I think with that preamble, we can go into the very first board game of the day, which everyone should be familiar with. Parker Brothers kind of fun brings people together. Delayed. Monopoly's been bringing people together for almost 50 years. That's how long we've been wheeling and dealing together, building hotels together, and going to jail together. Corner the market and utilities. You can't lose. Share a smile and your day seems a whole lot better. Parker Brothers kind of fun brings people together. That's very, um, very jingle-heavy, very particular to the era. So if you're interested in seeing this commercial, if you go on YouTube, it's Monopoly Toy Commercial 1980. Okay, so basically, it shows this young guy. He's sitting at the train station, and then it shows that his train has been delayed. For some reason, he's sitting on a bench with two other people, a young woman and a businessman, Wall Street-looking guy with a hat. And he has Monopoly right on his right on his lap. So when it says delayed, everyone's like, oh, and then he just shows the girls like, hey, you want to play Monopoly? It's like, yeah. And then I don't think he wants to make friends. He clearly wants to make enemies. If that's the game he's cracking. (laughs) So he puts it on some sort of table in the center there. And then another lady and a little kid wearing a business suit start playing. And then they're like, oh, yeah, his train garb. His train garb. And then the businessman tells the, the Wall Street kid, oh, you should corner utilities. So if you don't like someone, you could turn off their water and electricity. And then the whole, whole time, the announcer is like, oh, 50 years of this game have been bringing people together. 
which is not my experience. <laughs> but then it shows the Parker Brothers games like Clue and Monopoly and Sorry. And this is Parker Brothers. And those are all the very Parker classic Monopoly. games. Those are the ones that I think of when someone says board games. I think of stuff like Sorry, Sorry. and Monopoly and Life. Th- those types of games. Clue and Cluedo. Cluedo. So Monopoly has a rich storied history. So strap in. This commercial is from 1980, and actually, I think in the commercial itself, it mentions that, you know, for 50 years, we've been doing this, or or whatever it is. And Monopoly actually goes all the way back to 1903. So it's sometimes kind of credited to have started in 1930s, but it's much older than that. Its original creator was a woman named Elizabeth Maggie, and she wanted to create a game that would explain the single tax theory of Henry George, which is a really admirable perspective to come at when you say, I want to make a game. (laughs) So I think the concept of this is that it's putting the burden of tax on a landowner. There was the reason of advancing poverty with advancing wealth. With the growth of population, land grows in value, and the men who work it must pay more for the privilege. George proposed a simple solution to inequality and industrial depression. One tax on the market price of land that would replace all federal, state, and local taxes. So this game was meant to be a bit educational. And it was originally called the Landlord's Game. So the way that she described it uh, was, it is a practical demonstration of the present system of land grabbing with all its usual outcomes and consequences. It might well have been called the game of life as it contains all the elements of success and failure in the real world. And the object is the same as the human race in general seems to have, i.e. the accumulation of wealth. So (laughs) she was a she was an intelligent person, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) You probably have to be intelligent to kind of create a complicated game. So it originally came to the landlord's game, actually came with two sets of rules, an anti-monopolist set where everyone was rewarded when wealth was created. So if you earned, everybody earned. And a monopolist set where everyone was pretty much out for themselves. So the version of Monopoly that we know. So she patented it and it became popular in small circles and it, it kind of stayed that way for some time. And I think most everyone was taken by the monopolistic version of the rules. I think that's what people kind of enjoyed a bit more than the everybody <laughs> wins version. I suppose if, you know, the purpose of a game is to get a winner, that's everybody wins is kind of a hard sell. So over time, it finally made its way to a guy named Charles Darrow. He was introduced to it by a friend and thought that this was a really cool game. So he took the rules like a, what was kind of written out by his friend or whatever, and then kind of adapted it to make his own version of the game or to make the game. So the way that Charles Darrow initially was kind of put out there and what was kind of the story around the making of Monopoly is that it began in the 1930s by a creative, innovative guy named Charles Darrow. So For a long time, the credit of the origin of Monopoly was this guy, but it was actually (laughs) the lady. So he ended up selling the idea to Parker Brothers. He sold the copyrights. Parker Brothers found out that he wasn't the full inventor and he bought, they bought Maggie's patent. So then they own the full rights after that. 
<laughs> um, and it started selling through Parker Brothers in 1935. So this whole thing about Elizabeth Maggie wasn't known for a very long time. It was only during a lawsuit that took place in the 70s and 80s, took place over a long time, that her contribution was pretty much uncovered. So a guy wanted to create a game called Anti-Monopoly, and it pretty much was Monopoly, just anti-Monopoly. And then Parker like Brothers sued him, and then it was an ensuing battle. Say again? Like breaking down the monopolies? I guess so. I mean, I don't know the exact details behind it, but I think it may have also been the, you know, uh, everybody wins thing. I- I'm not sure. But anyway, like if you look at anti-Monopoly, it looks like Monopoly. So through that, he did a bit of research, and that's how some of this kind of Elizabeth Maggie information came out. So now she's credited as the person who created uh, Monopoly rather than Charles Darrow, which is it was just kind of a nice thing because it means the game is older, and it also means she's getting her dues, as you will. I learned this from Professor Ralph Ansbach, who fought a 10-year legal battle against Parker Brothers in a case that went all the way to the Supreme Court. We got a letter from General Mills Fund Group and Parker Brothers threatening us with lawsuits and demanding that we take all our games and destroy them. A lady calls in and said, they have a lot of nerve to sue you, Professor Ansbach, when they stole the game. So, I mean, that's the history of Monopoly, and we all know what it is. I mean, there's been so many versions of it. So there's there's the original kind of like international version, I think, uh, happened in the UK with the first changes kind of occurring in the 30s. So, you know, if you get a Monopoly game in a different country, it might have some different elements to it. So, for instance, in the UK, mm, the income streets, tax, I guess. Yeah, like like locations or even how they approach things. The income tax is changed to a flat rate and the luxury tax is a super tax in the UK, at least when <laughs> it was first created. And in Spain, the boardwalk is Paseo del Prado. I don't, I don't know, whatever. And it's available now in over 100 countries and has been printed in 37 languages. So it's um, at least as of this writing, this could be old information. So today, Monopoly is owned by Hasbro. And before Hasbro, there were only two versions, regular ha- and deluxe. Hasbro pretty much has a monopoly on a lot of the On everything? Yeah, it's messed up. I never well, thought not of it. everything, but was okay. On all games, on all like, uh, on games and things. And there's a reason for that, because it just kind of kept buying things and it got richer, like a monopoly. And before that, Parker Brothers just left it for for many, many years, regular and deluxe. But once Hasbro got its mitts on it, um, tons more sets were created. So you'll get like city versions. There was a recent one for ladies that was called, I think, Miss Monopoly, which was just incredibly pandering. It wasn't it wasn't received well. It was Hasbro now selling a Ms. Monopoly. Every time the gals pass go, they pocket 240 bucks versus 200 for the boys. Critics say the game is actually insulting to women. The commercial uh, yes, not. The commercial for it's really stupid. And it was kind of dumb. But, you know, you get tons of versions of Monopoly, like, licensed out to various properties. So maybe there's, like, a film one or a Marvel one or whatever it Mickey is. Mickey Mouse or Pokemon or something. Yeah. So it's a staple game in any home and has led to millions of household disputes since 1903. So it's it's a really, it's probably the most, I would suspect it's probably the most well-known board game out there. I mean, don't quote me on that or accept that as truth, but I feel like it is. It's I guess so it old. Be. I guess board games as we know it, I bet you like card games are older than this, but they're not board games. Oh, one yeah. dumb fact I forgot to mention. 
the officer is named Edward Malloy. Uh, so, you know, the guy on the other side of the go to jail thing. Yeah. And the guy in jail is Jake the Jailbird. So he's he's in the back. He's he's the one in the when you go to jail. So wait, where did Darrow come from? Oh, I don't know where Darrow is from. Um, he was born in Pennsylvania. So he's in that kind of area. He's born in Pennsylvania Avenue <laughs> on a train. <laughs> he was born in it. He he was the first millionaire game designer in history. And, wow! In the thirties, I guess so. That's not a time when people were millionaires. No, he claimed it to be his own invention. What a piece of work! And poor Maggie, she only got five hundred bucks out of it. So wait, wait, was she dead by nineteen thirties, or when did she die? So he sold it in 1935, and she died in 1948. So yeah, she was alive during... Oh, she got screwed. Yeah, she got very screwed. That guy sucks. Anyway, boo Charles Darrow. <laughs> boo this man. Boo this man! Boo! I love how it started off with the, uh, the concept of an anti-monopolist system where everyone shares the wealth, and then uh, it becomes crush everybody else. Yeah, this idiot takes it. <laughs> All right, before I devolve into a general argument about Monopoly, as most things related <laughs> to Monopoly end up, let's move on to the next one. Get lucky in the game of life. The game of life is better than ever. Go to school, get a job that's cool. Get lucky in the game of life. Marry your honey, go to space sunny. Get lucky in the game of life. Life is the game of possibilities. Plant a tree, have a family. Buy a home, win the lottery. And the person with the best life wins. I won a baby contest. Get lucky in the game of life. Game of life from Milton Bradley. Rather than I win, it's... <laughs> right, so in this commercial, it's a visual feast. Another jingle-heavy one. Yeah, this is a jingle-heavy one. But we were big into jingles up until maybe the mid-90s, I think. Sticks in your head. Yeah, I think jingles became kind of passe after a certain point. So in this commercial, it's a, there's a lot of stuff happening. It does show elements of the game, like it shows the board and everything. But I think what makes this commercial interesting is that it's a family playing the game, but they all take on what's happening in the board game. So if you have babies, it shows the kid holding babies. If it says you're going to like plant a tree, it shows a tree being planted. If you're getting married, it shows the little boy getting married to a woman who's clearly at least 15 years older than him. And a foot taller. Yeah, <laughs> at, at least. So it's just showing like what can happen in the game of life. And at the very end, little boy uh, wins. And he's surrounded by money bags with big dollar signs around him. So he's a millionaire. I think what I like about this commercial is the line of the commentator saying, the person with the best life wins. Now that's yeah. extremely subjective. <laughs> Yeah. And and if you go by the person with the best life wins, if you look at the kid, he's a millionaire. So by that measure, the person with the most money wins. Mm -hmm. Therefore, if you have money, you have a better life. So yeah. the aim of winning life in general is to have lots of money. And the backstory to that is somewhat similar to Monopoly in the... Uh, oh, joy. Department. So... It all started way back when in 1860. Like before the Civil War? Wait, when was the Civil War? 1861. All right, okay. 
So there was a man named Milton Bradley. He was a a lithographer. He made prints for like newspapers to print a thing. He made like the plate and then they stamped the thing to, to put in the newspaper. And he hit it sort of big when he made a lithograph of a little-known presidential candidate named Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln was running for the nomination, but then he almost lost everything when Abraham Lincoln grew his trademark beard. So now when people are buying these lithographs and you need to be up to date, they're like, this is pretty much not the same guy. I mean, it's the same guy, but it's not up to date. He has a beard. We can't buy this stuff. So he was down in the dumps and his friend gave him a game that was imported from Europe. And then he adapted it and he came up with the checkered game of life. It was checkered? Uh, the che- it was like a checkerboard and it had various good and bad situation spots. You start at infancy and you go forward from there. And the goal is to get 100 points. And there's good and bad situation spots. And it corresponds with the life age. If you're a teenager, this is, let's say, high school and college and stuff like that. And as you get older, it says, like, gambling and stuff. Because this also started off with a bit of a moral center. The, the good spots showed good morals and stuff. There was bad squares that had suicide, disgrace, oh my God. poverty, stuff like that. And it corresponded with the ages. But his message was, even if you get those spaces, you can't be brought down by those. You still have to go forward. Oh, it's very positive? Wait, how can you go past suicide? Well, I guess you can get it, but not finish uh, it. Someone else's friend or something. So, because the morals back in the day, he didn't want to use dice. Because that was associated with a vice of gambling, which was also one of the bad tiles. So instead of it, you, you had a spinning top called a teetotem. It had like a hexagon in the center of it. You spun it and it fell down and the top side is what you move. And because at those points there was more leisure, it hit it big. It sold 40,000 copies within the first year. Wow. Which was pretty big right then. And then he gave, he gave it to Civil War soldiers so they weren't bored. And then uh, he started his big board game empire. He made other stuff like Candyland and Battleship, or the company. What? No way! Battleship. But he also he also like went into the kindergarten movement and started publishing uh, stuff for that. But later on, way later on, hundred years later, they decided to bring back the very first game, the Game of Life, back into the stores. Milton Bradley did the company now because the man was dead. <laughs> so in 1960. They hired Ruben Klamer to make another version of the game. And he hired a guy named Bill Markham to make the prototype of the board. And then after Bill Markham made the prototype of the board, Klamer tweaked it a little bit and he gave it to Milton Bradley. Later on in like 2015, Markham's widow sued Milton Bradley and Klamer because she said that her husband helped build the board, but she didn't win. Oh, that's a bit of a shame. But it was a little different. Sometimes you could get revenge on people. It sold 351,815 copies in the first year. And there was a different rule. You could either retire a millionaire acres or roll for millionaire tycoon. If you lost, you go to the poor farm, which it says it on the very classic 60s commercial. It's right. like, oh, I get to the poor farm. 
I went to the poor farm. And if you didn't want to take an all or nothing roll of dice, the winner was the person with the highest monetary value. So it went from a nice morals, a life not setting you down, to who had the most money. Ah. Look at this. Now I'm burdened with a husband and several tiny pink children. More cash than I can reasonably manage. That means you're winning. Art Linkletter endorsed it, and he was on some of the bills. He was a, an announcer guy in uh, the 60s and stuff. But they kept adding more and more throughout the ages. Like in the 80s, they had convertibles to the minivans that we know now. And around when we were playing it in the early 90s, 1991, they were like, this is too materialistic. Let's throw in these life tiles for the good deeds. Like plant a tree. Uh, Build a better mousetrap. Mousetrap! It's the craziest trap you'll ever see. Yeah, that stuff. And then that helped counter it. Wait, but when were those introduced? 1991. What? Yep. And they've updated too. The jobs are like video game designer and electronic banking. And you can add pets now Electronic too. <gasps> pets. Wow. That would have been a big one for me. I didn't want and no babies. I wanted pets. In 1984, Milton Bradley was bought up by Hasbro. <laughs> <laughs> 59 countries, 26 languages, you can win at the game of life. Get lucky is game of life. How are you doing in your game of life? What would you say you're at? Currently? Yes. I don't know, the suicide one. (laughs) I don't know, the, the middle age one. I don't know what stage I'm in. I'm definitely not in the win the lottery stage. I'm in the sitting on the butt stage <laughs> i want to retire at millionaire <laughs> yeah the, the mill the i'm a millionaire kid is, is not going to be it but yeah, yeah I, i'm okay with that sort of i guess i don't know I, I would be fine with being a millionaire but i can be a millionaire in the game of life and isn't that isn't that more likely <laughs> yeah oh dear it's like when in the old game you were honest you went to the happiness tile and you got a lot of points all right like, honesty to happiness cupid to maternity it, it was it sounded nicer to me that old game yeah i think For, so but i guess it's just so moralistic <laughs> i think it's a little bit too moral led so maybe they're like we need to make it more i don't know i feel like all these games go a bit capitalist or whatever <laughs> we don't want it start your own company okay and also i think it's just like what's easier to make about a game like let's make it about cold hard facts or something like that you know i'm in i'm impressed that it's that old i'm actually shocked as well 1960 and they released re-released it in 1960 that's mad i'd be interested in seeing that one the checkered game of life if you want to know if you want to see that commercial um it's called go on youtube and it's called the game of life board game ad 1994 but no more about checkered lives lives we're going to move on to our last commercial here we go. Doctor, my belly ache. You got butterflies in your stomach. You got a tummy horse. Operation. A broken heart, of course. Operation. The whitest crime is true. Operation. I'm the doctor for you. Operation. Remove the pieces and collect your fee, but don't touch the sides. <laughs> Water on the knee. Operation. How to melt a fee. Operation. A rib or two. Operation. I'm the doctor for you. Operation from Milton Bradley. 
So I feel like this particular commercial gets more stuck in my head, probably because I heard it a lot as a kid. The other two then, less so, but de- definitely this one. So and the jingle again. So basically it shows this guy with this two-parted brown haircut with a big red nose, like live action. He's talking to my belly aches. And the song starts singing and oh, they just pull a bunch of stuff out of his stomach. He's like, oh, you have butterflies in your stomach. Is it water on the knee? And then they give him the uh, test where they hit your knee and see if you get a reflex. And then because they did that, they pay, he has to pay $1,000 fees because water shot out of his knee. Then they pull a pencil out of his, his wrist and all the stuff like that. It's just basically describing what the game is and then say an operation in the center. <laughs> it's similar to the live commercial in that what the game is is being acted out. While the Monopoly commercial just showed you the game, like people moving pieces like this and the life game show you, here's yeah. you with babies or here's you with your ribs being removed. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. And then it says, I'm the doctor for you. And it's operation. And then the kid doctors, because they're all children, which is scary. Uh, <laughs> they go outside and they say, who's next? It shows an adult couple with the baby. They all have red noses. An old man with his dog, and they both have red noses. Yeah, like, are they going to operate on this dog? Because, like, they, they, then they clearly don't know what they're at. Because just because you're a doctor doesn't mean, you know, what a dog's insides are like. I'm so, disappointed uh, they didn't show a Charlie horse and pull out a horse. Well, yeah, they should have <laughs> a horse. So, Operation, its history kind of falls in a little bit with kind of in the Monopoly sense of someone being screwed over again. So Jeez. <laughs> this is a brutal episode. Board games are not the place to make money. So if you have an idea, hold on to it for dear life, I think is the uh, moral of all of these stories. Right. So the game's prototype was invented in 1964 by a guy named John Spinello. So he was a, a student, so an industrial design student from the University of Illinois. And he actually had to make he had to make a project um for class so he ended up making <laughs> yeah like it wasn't the, the i don't think the task was make a board game but he, he essentially made a board game the um, origins <laughs> of your favorite game was a, a boring schoolwork yeah so this is a project yeah if any of my school projects were made into a game I'd be a millionaire. No, I would I would be as rich as I am now. So the game or what it was that he created was called Death Valley. And it didn't feature a patient, but a person lost in the desert. So players moved around the board and put their game piece into a hole. So it's kind of backwards. Like, you know, you're trying to extract something in operation. In this, you're trying to put in kind of a metal thing into kind of a hole. Um, and I think they were of varying sizes. So he, he made Whoa. it. I think he got an A. And he sold the rights to a big toy designer named Marvin Glass for, there's the magic number again, $500, just like Maggie. And even worse, the promise of a job upon graduation, a promise that didn't come true. So Marvin, the toy designer, flipped the idea and he had players pull stuff out instead of put a probe in. They, you know ended up making it into operation as we know it and it began in 1965 in that kind of format i'm really upset that the guy didn't give him a job that's just like rude i know you could have just said i'll pay you and not say anything about a job (laughs) and just been like well that sucks for him so anyway 
The game itself is a variant of an old-timey phone fair wire loop game that's been around since about the 1700s. So what that is, is you simply guide a metal loop around a wire without touching it to the wire. So both the loop and the wire are connected to like electricity. So if they touch, a buzzer goes off. So typically a buzzer goes off, which, you know, when you play Operation, that nose comes off. So again, fun fair. He did the electronics good. I hope people didn't get zapped. Yeah, I don't think it can kill anyone. And I mean, he was an industrial design student. So I feel like he would have had some kind of knowledge of something that's also done in fun fairs. Well, you have to survive in the desert. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one that he came up with, but whatever. But, of course, in operation, you're operating on a guy named Cavity Sam, and the buzzer's is red nose. So players have to ga- grab various pieces in Cavity Sam, and initially, when it first came out, the winner was the person who had the most money after all the pieces had been collected. Later games removed the money and cards that told you what pieces to grab, so that was another element. And the winner is simply the person who has solved the most ailments. So you would get paid for every like piece that you pulled out, I think. And that's so so now it's just like you pick what you want and you do still get like I think there is kind of some sort of value ascribed to it, but um the person who has solved the most wins. So it's backwards from the monetary morality of the others. Yeah, which is weird because at least US-wise, doctors make lots of money. (laughs) But whatever. So the the pieces have pretty much stayed the same for most of the run of its existence from like 1965. Except in 2004, they added a new one. So this was decided by a fan vote and it beat out Tennis Elbow and Growling Stomach. They added brain freeze. I thought it was going to be some update like text foam or something. Oh, I wonder. They're probably going to add something like that in there, like computer neck or something. I I like the idea of brain freeze because it kind of makes sense that there's something up top to note. So there's a bit of a balance that. But I really am sad that Tennis Elbow wasn't chosen because I think that one's a really good one. Well, weirdly enough, it's funny that I called out the dog because I didn't didn't remember this. But um, the newest version of Operation is related to pets called Operation Pet Scan where you grab stuff out of a dog's stomach. <laughs> Operation vet. <laughs> so in probably the least surprising piece of information that I discovered about this game, it was initially made by Milton Bradley, but it's now made by... Hasbro. Hasbro. And it is worth reportedly about $40 million. So I feel what? very bad for John Spinello. Because he got $500. $500 1960s cash, which was nothing necessarily to sniff at, but Wow. So many connections. Hasbro, Maggie said the game of life, $500 skin. Everybody gets screwed. A kid at the end goes, I win. So that is... I think I was reading Maggie's father worked for Abraham Lincoln. Oh, that's weird. Wow. These games all have like a really interesting... These board games are actually interesting. The stories behind them, there's intrigue. There's but this I think this was the deepest intrigue with the, the stories behind all this stuff. Like yeah. you say Coca-Cola, okay, you, they made the Coca-Cola, whatever. This mm-hmm. was like backstabbing and different moralities of the era and Yeah, and evolutions of the game itself. I mean, life went through the greatest evolution with Operation. Well, it depends on what you think. It would definitely change from Death Valley, so that would probably be the most dramatic from the yeah, original but concept. But I guess the buzz stuff. But life as we know it, or excuse me, operation as we know it, um, it just added brain freeze. So depends on where you think it began. Right. 
So those are all of the commercials. Shall we rate them? Yes. Okay, so we have three of them as per usual. Which would you say is your least favorite? Commercial-wise, Monopoly Life Operation. Uh, I guess I'd go with Life. As the jingle's nice enough, but it's just, it's too, not literal, but it's exaggerated. Like, ooh, plant a tree, and then the tree goes like 500 feet when you water it with the can. And This, this is where I disagree with you. This is I guess it's kind of silly and funny and charming because the kid's wearing a tuxedo and a top hat, and he still can't reach his wife who's a foot taller than him. <laughs> And the man is dressed like a baby because he had babies. Yeah, it's very goofy. And goofy, I can... really commercial. I appreciate it. But it's that. pretty much like hitting you over the head. Or like, what happens in the game? You get paid. You get become a millionaire. So and It has a twist on the I win. It's like, I'm a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. I think my least favorite is the Monopoly one because I can't, in my right mind, see anyone happily gathering around a game of Monopoly. And not descending into some sort of into fisticuffs. Another case of Monopoly-related violence, Chief. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's fine. It's a fine commercial. I think the jingle's fun and good, but the commercial itself is just kind of like, all right, yeah. Maybe I'm, I'm just a little bit more jazzed by the whiz-bang nature of it. Also, I don't like that weird guy that's like, take all of the utilities. I think that's... It's weird old man with a... Something about man. that bothers me. <laughs> so yeah, that one's my least... Which for me then makes number two, The Game of Life. And it's kind of what you were saying, but I, that's what I like about it. I like the kind of insanity of it. There is a lot going on. It's a bit too much, but I do like the... Um, goofy it is. Yeah, I like that all of them are taking part in the kind of silliness of it. So the kid with the babies and the kid getting married and the little girl, I don't know, in the stock market in a giant suit. I, I don't know. I think it's just kind of fun and interesting to sort of watch. Again, I think with all of them, the jingles are all really fun. Probably horrible if you hear them over and over again every day when you're eating like cereal and you're like, that's enough <laughs> of this. But yeah, that, this one, that one's my second. It's, what the hard, it's the hard sell. Hey, enough, I'll buy it. My second would be, uh, I guess, Operation. Because again, the silly extremity of it. But I like the commercial a little better. And the song, like Operation. The guy, I like how they designed him to look like Cavity Sam or whatever his name is. Cavity Sam. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, with the parted hair. He kind of looks like a 30s gangster or something. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you know, that's uh, why he needs massive operations to pull out all the bullets. Yeah. Bullet in the chest. Operation. But yeah, the, uh, the silliness when this one, I can handle a little more. Children, doctors, hitting him on the knee, pulling out horses and ribs and pencils and everything out of his chest. And then with all that frightening horror, they ask the next people to come in. And everyone has a big red nose, including a doggy and a baby. So yeah, I'd say that one's my second favorite because of that. What's your... All right, which makes your tops Monopoly. I think we've uh, really... This is one of the few where we're not in agreement at yeah. all. <laughs> so my top would be Monopoly because I do like the simpleness of it, the homeliness of it with the classic... Radio announcer explaining everything about it. But just I, I just like the outlandishness of the situation. Teenage dude just sitting at a train station with a board game. I don't know if he was going to Thanksgiving dinner from college or something. It's like, hey, bring that board game. Because 
to we bring that board game. It did look like bring he was specifically asked game. to bring that board game. Yeah, because you're sitting in a train station with a board game. He's like, I'm bored. Hey, girl next to me, you want to play? And then two Wall Street barons, a child and a man trying to grab your utilities. And then the kid's <laughs> mom, so I guess, hold him back. But it's just there's a weird, ridiculous scenario, but it still feels homely enough. And I like how they did switch the setting to a train station rather than a family. Like, hey, let's play because it does give it a slight sense of competition and togetherness. Yeah, I can see that. I can get on board with that. The weird bowler hat guy is just funny. <laughs> I don't care for him. Well, for me, the best one or the one I liked most was Operation. The, this one's just purely nostalgia. I don't think it's brilliant really and by any means but it did i think it's probably a commercial that lasted a long time because i feel like i saw it a lot it's just fun it's just you know i like seeing the kids pull out the pieces in the real life version of it not the heightened hyper reality pull it out of that guy with the 30s hair um (laughs) but i like i don't know why i mean the board game version i think the song i enjoy and i think the ending i don't know why i just like the dog with the red nose i think it's just kind of funny I like um, how I was so, just sitting there. So it's nostalgia and the red nose that make me laugh. That's, <laughs> I think that's the only reason why it's tops. Okay, Not last tops. question before we close for the day. Which one based on the commercials would you buy? I guess life because it's descriptive and it's exciting and flashy and it's fun. and It does show you the exaggerations like the tree and the baby and everything. It makes it enticing to play, not like, ooh, nostalgia of 50 years ago, we played Monopoly or Operation, which is just too jingle-heavy <laughs> base and not that descriptive. I actually think, it, for me, it's between life and operation, but I think I'll give the edge to life. I do like it showing each of the steps kind of happening with the crazy stuff that's happening but it shows the person land and then they get married, you know? So I think that's, it, you still understand how to play the game. I mean, I think all of yeah. them, you kind of understand how to play the game operation as well. That's why it's kind of between the two for me. But I think I like life for that reason. Bonus round question. Did you have any particular memories of this? Because we kept hinting like, oh, we fought and this and that. I remember us playing Monopoly, Yumi and our sister, and... We actually enjoyed it and we actually finished it because a lot of times you never finish Monopoly just because it takes so long. And then we're like, let's start a new game. And we started it and then we decided maybe we should finish this tomorrow because we had other things to do and we never finished it. That's probably like the happiest Monopoly memory I have because I feel like I read the the longest game was like 70 days or something. It's just, it's a long game. It can be a long game. I mean, a lot of it is down to luck. Like, I mean, I guess all of these are down to luck, but if, if there's a strategy element to it, it's going, I think that's why life's kind of fun because there is no, there is a winner, but it is kind of funny when you're like playing and you end up having to like. Imagine selling that to someone like, this game doesn't end. Okay. <laughs> this game may or may not end depending on how you approach it. But I, I think we were so pleased with the fact that we finished the game that it didn't matter who won. It was just kind played, of like, cool. <laughs> remember we played with our cousin and he was more of a monopolist person. Yeah, no, it was, yeah, it also <laughs> depends on who you play with, like it changes the dynamic of the game. I mean, I think for the other ones, I remember with Life, I liked that one. That's the one I wanted to play the most of the one, of these kind of classic ones, just because, I don't know, I just kind of liked the idea of choosing what it was that I was going to be, you know, like, oh, am I going to be an artist or am I going to be a cop or am I going to get a, that stupid house? But, 
the thing with that is that it's just the top spinner. You barely get to strategize. Yeah, I know. Like, and I think that's why I like or it. Or do I pick a cop and get but, speeders attention? But it, but it is life. And it's I just rem- a giant game of chance. <laughs> um, that's what life is. And then Operation, the one thing I remember about it was breaking it and putting it away and never playing it again. I The pencil wrist? Yeah, it was something. We broke really something and we hit it away from too. our sister. <laughs> the pencil wrist just hurt my wrist, how tight the squeeze was. Oh, yeah, that was awful. I hated the pencil one. I just know you get into really weird, awkward angles to try to get it. If the thing is on a table or on the floor, like you start moving your body to be like, okay, if I move it this way, then maybe it'll solve it. And then I'd startle you and it buzzes. Yeah, I hate that. It's really, it's a distressing game. It's a bit like perfection in that way. One of, one of the funniest uh, Monopoly memories I have was I went to vacation we went with our cousin and his sister and their cousin. We forced the a girl cousin to play. And then our other cousin was really mad at him because he was using her as a puppet master. So he was winning and having a, a huge like row of houses in the hotels. It's like, you're in my death zone now. And their cousin. Oh, was, God. Uh, yeah. Their cousin mortgaged everything. He didn't have anything left. He only had $12 at the mortgage and everything. And then he goes, yeah, you're coming to my death zone. I'm going to kill you. And then he got on a chance card. And he's like, haha, you missed me. And then he pulled out the chance card. And then he's just like, you see his face and sucks that. He gets like, he curses. And he slams it down. And then I pick it up and says, pay poor tax. $15. Oh, no. That's just so outside the thing. Sucks. And then our cousin was gloating to him. He's like, hi, you lost. He's like, screw you. The bank got me. Yeah, that's true. It was the bank. It wasn't It wasn't uh, him. That's poor tax. This is garbage. We can't go into the, the, the things. I love the, the picture of that one. He's just like, he has the guy's pockets. like patting the kid on the head and the kid's pulling oh, out of yeah. his is It's an awful game. Oh, yeah. Isn't Mr. Moneybags he was called Rich Uncle Pennybags before, but now he's Mr. Monopoly. I like Rich yeah. Uncle Pennybags better than I do Mr. Monopoly. Yeah, there's just like slap on that name. Everyone knows him as that anyway. Yeah, it's like everyone knows him as that. Let's just call him that. Yeah. <laughs> the Monopoly guy. All right. <laughs> so if we... I think we should cap this off. So... Yeah. Thank you everyone for joining us on this board game journey. Much like the, the game of life, life. It was very long and meandering. No, it wasn't. You got some info out of this. If you like us and if you liked this episode, please subscribe to us on all the podcast channels where you can find us. You can even just type in Retro Ad Review on Google and you'll just see us. So subscribe to us and share it with your friends. You can also have a chat with us or engage with us on Instagram and Facebook where we are called Retro Ad Review and we will get back to you. So we'll be back um, in an upcoming episode with another topic. If you have a patent on a board game, cling on to it for dear life. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's the story. That's the moral here. If you've only listened to a piece of this, if you take that and away... get a lot of money. Yeah. It's the difference between $500 and a millionaire. So with that, we bid you a bye-bye. Alright. <laughs> See everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bro.